Good morning, Chapel family. Welcome. Glad you're here. If you are new, my name is Ryan and I'm your pastor, and we are excited for today. Man, that worship was so incredible today. I love having the choir up there because you could see who came from which denomination. It's so good. I just love it. You, you see the uh, Pentecostal ones, and they're like, woo! And you see the Baptists next to the Pentecostal, and they're like, I think I should. Uh, it's, it's good. I love it. I love it so much. It's, it kills me because I didn't grow up in the church. I want to raise my kids up in the way that they should go. Um, so uh, just as a reminder, in case you missed it, we lit the fifth faith candle this week. Every time we hear a story of someone making a first-time decision to follow Jesus, we will light that candle and we'll celebrate that. So let's give a round of applause. That was last week. Yeah, it was so cool, man. We had a handful of people raise their hand to make first-time decisions to follow Jesus and many more restarting. Um, on that note, you were probably handed two things today, so I just want to mention those before we jump in. There's a connection card. If you could do me a favor at some time uh, point today, fill this out. On one side is the connection part, and on the back side is next steps. If you have any more questions or prayer requests, these will all get sent to me, and I'll be praying over every single connection card each week. And then lastly is the bulletin. Many of you who have been um, around for a little bit know that I want you to constantly be praying for your friends and family and those in your life. So on the back of there, I want you to pick nine people this week, and you don't have to fill it all the way up. If you can get to five, that's a good goal. And ask five people in your life how you can pray for them this week. Very simple. You give them a call, shoot them a Facebook message, tweet at them, text them, whatever you do, and say, hey, how can I pray for you this week? And just jot it down and commit to pray for those five people, five to nine people this week, and we'll see what God can do in the lives of our friends and family and those God puts around us. Uh, so with that being said, uh, we are in a series on the Holy Spirit. Last week um, was so intense that I ended up bypassing the offering. We didn't pass the, pass the plates, and I could see like the financial guys in the church, like the ones that are the counters, they're like, don't do it. I'm like, do it, don't do it. It was so good. This week we're on a very, very talked about subject, and it's uh, the topic of spiritual gifts. And I need you to know right now, if you are a follower of Jesus, and even if you're not, you have gifts and talents. So I want everyone to say, I am gifted on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. Okay, you may not believe it, but I believe it, and we're going to jump into it today. So we're going to be in Ephesians 4, and then all over the Bible. Uh, if you are wondering which scriptures I'm using, and you want to go back to find which references, um, on the sermon study guide that you can get on the website this week, I've got all of the spiritual gifts that I'm going to talk about today with their references, so you can download that and print it out and study as you would like. So let's pray, and we're going to jump into the Word of God. Father, you are a good dad. You love us, your children, and you give us good gifts. God, you know exactly what we need. You know exactly what we have. You know exactly what we're made of, and you know exactly what we are on earth to do. Help us to take our eyes off of ourselves and put our eyes on you. Help us to see our gifts not as something to lift up our glory, but to lift up your glory. Open our minds to see your word clearly. Change our hearts, transform our spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 is where we're going to be. Before we get into that part, though, I just got to say, I love getting gifts. And I've clearly seen last night that Fishhawk kids love getting gifts. Um, did anyone trick-or-treat last night? Anyone trick-or-treat? So a bunch of you trick-or-treated. It is a zoo out here on Halloween. Like, everyone converges on the streets, and kids are running from parents. They have adults that are handing out candy to other adults. Um, it was just the craziest night. And, 
And I was thinking about today, we're talking about spiritual gifts, and my son Silas, he's the blonde one. Um, I don't know how he got that. He, he just was walking along the sidewalk over here in Bridgeview, Creek Haven, whatever it is. And he said, Daddy, this is the best Halloween ever. I said, why is it the best, buddy? Well, it's the best because I'm getting all of these treats. I'm like, yeah, that's really good, buddy. And then he looks up and he says, Daddy, how many of these treats have my allergy in it because he's allergic to peanuts? And I looked down in there, I said, about half of them, buddy. And he goes, it's still the best Halloween ever. <laughs> and, uh, and that kid just loves gifts. Today, the type of gifts we're talking about, so often, though, get turned on ourselves. We think it's all about us, all about what we have, and we use the gifts God's given us for ourselves. But I want us to be thinking church-centered today as we read this passage, because that's what Paul is thinking. In the book of Ephesians, if you've never read it, it's Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. And just remember this, when you read Ephesians, it's six chapters. The first three chapters are all about what God has done for you, that God has saved you, that he reached down and pulled you out of the muck that you were in by his grace, his free favor. Then he seated you with Christ in the heavenly realms. And then he did all of this and gives you a new life, fills you with his spirit. And then right at chapter three, chapter three ends, that's all Jesus has done. And then from chapter four to six, it's what your life should look like if you believe what Jesus has done for you. And that's where we start in chapter four. Chapter four, verse one. It's not gonna be up on the board, so just read along with me on your Bibles or fake Bibles if you have them. I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Let's stop right there. I love that Paul is doing this with the church. Okay, church, listen up. I'm Paul, I'm a prisoner. Their pastor was in prison, in jail for sharing the gospel. And he says, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling in which you've been called. Jesus called them in chapters 1 to 3. And now Paul's saying, see all that Jesus did for you? Walk in a manner worthy of that. And then he says a line that I think is beautiful for church life. He says, bear with one another in love and have patience. It's like Paul knew that church people were going to have to bear with each other. It's like he knew that some of us were going to be giftedly annoying. I'm not saying it's you, I'm just saying some of us. Because God knows, and Paul knows, that sin nature creeps in. There's an old saying at, the, at Presbyterian churches, you know, or at any denomination really, where two or three are gathered, there is a new denomination forming. Because Christians are constantly dividing amongst each other. Paul says here, no, that's not what the Christian life is about, that's not what the church is about, it's about bearing with each other to maintain, in verse 3, the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body. How many bodies? One body. There's one body. There's one spirit. How many spirits? Just as you are called to the one hope. How many hopes? That belongs to your call. One Lord. How many lords? One faith. How many faiths? One baptism. You think he's trying to get something across here? Okay, just making sure you're getting that with me because it's pretty obvious. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of it all who is over all, through all, in all, by grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. So this is what Paul's saying. Before he gets into giftings and what the gifts are for, he wants to let you know there is one body. There is one faith. We have got to get along. And so often, I am guilty of it, it's hard sometimes to get along with everybody in the body of Christ. Uh, as I've mentioned before, we are a family. That's why I say, hi, chapel family. Good morning, chapel family. And as we all know, families have crazy people in them. 
If you have a family, you've had a bad Thanksgiving. If you have a family, you've got the crazy uncle, the violent cousin, the, the dad that just falls asleep. All, you've got the crazy people in your family. You've got the kid who never uh, had, runs out of energy. You know that kid? He's like four years old, drinks Red Bulls, and his parents let him do it the night before Christmas so you can't build the bike till four in the morning. I'm not bitter. Okay. That's my brother. <laughs> we are a family, but we've got to bear into this with a unified sense of purpose as the church. God loves the church. God loves his church. A thousand years from now, the company you work for will be gone. I promise you. Apple will be gone. Microsoft will be gone. Google will be gone. A thousand years from now, your school, your alma mater, the ones that you love, the ones that you put your face paint on with, that school's gone. A thousand years from now, no more. A thousand years from now, I'm going to put my money on the fact that this country will probably be gone. It will be another country. I know what everyone's thinking. No, we're going to get the right vote this time for the guy who's in office for four years. It doesn't matter. This country's gone a thousand years from now. The thing that's not gone is the church. God has a plan for the church, and nothing will defeat his plan for the church, which is why Paul is stressing here, before we get to the gifts, be unified, be patient, be in oneness with each other. And now I'm going to jump down a little bit. And in this oneness of the church, here's what it says in verse 11. And he gave apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Saints. You all are saints. Did you know that? You're a saint. I know you might be thinking like, no, I, I will tell you, Pastor. My wife will tell you I am not a saint. I am the other S word, a sinner. You guys just sinned right there. So bad. The night after Halloween, so bad. You guys are saints if you're in Christ. And right here it says that these gifts, the apostles, the pastors, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, they, they're given to the church to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. So guess who, who's supposed to do the work of the ministry? Caring for the widows, the orphan, the poor, making disciples. The saints. Guess who you are? You're the? That's you, not me. I'm here to equip you, and I do my part, and I, I go in my neighborhood, but it's not primarily on my shoulders, but for too long we've treated church like that. Like the pastors and the staff, we'll do the brunt of church work, and we call this a church service, but ultimately you are the church. If you ask my six-year-old, he will tell you this building is not the church. The people are the church, and Paul wants to get that across, that the spiritual gifts are given to you to do the work that you were called for, and we're going to find out just how gifted you guys are. Now, I I like giving some things, but there's some radically giving people in my life. Um, one of them is here this morning, and it's my mother-in-law. You could not outgive my mother-in-law if you tried. Um, I think that she has like ATMs with no codes in her pockets when my children are around her, because dollars just fly out, and I try to get behind the wind and catch as many as I can. She's so giving. She'll give her time. She'll give her money. She would, if you asked for the shirt off of her back, she would give you her car. Like, that's how giving she is. Don't ask for, I don't want to drive someone else home, so don't ask for that. But I need you to know that God loves giving people. Does everyone here love giving gifts? Isn't it the best? Who loves getting gifts better than giving gifts? Any getters in here? Some getters? It's everyone under 18. Me? I'm a getter. I don't have a job. Give, give. Once you get a little older, it is so cool to give gifts. That's why I think the kids like Fishhawk so much for trick-or-treating because they give out these giant chocolate bars and there were so many driveways where we'd pull up 
and my kids would walk up, and somebody would give them one candy, and then another mom would come around, no, take more out of this bowl. No, take two more. Take three more. And I'm just, my kids are like, I don't know what to do. And I'm like, just say thank you, thank you. Almond joys, thank you. That's all you have to do. People love giving gifts. Christmas morning, man, don't you love giving that gift that you worked so hard to give that you just knew your, your spouse or your child or your friend was going to love getting? God loves givers because he is the greatest giver of all time. He's given you the gift of Jesus. He's given you the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then today we're going to talk about the gifts he gives you in your heart, in your being to carry out. Have you guys ever thought about Jesus as a gift? I mean, we, we talk about it at Christmas time, right? We get those magnets that say, keep Christ in Christmas. And then the Christian families will get together and we'll say, this holiday is really about Jesus. And then the Xbox One comes out and like the kids look at Jesus and the Xbox One and they're like, Mm, can I play Halo? It's about Jesus, you guys. I know none of you guys have ever done that. Jesus is the greatest gift you could possibly have. He doesn't, may not give you wealth. He may not give you health. But he gives you salvation. He gives you his affection. He gives you all of himself. Every other religion in the world, the deities are takers. They want to take from you. They say, give me this, and then I'll give you that. Christianity is the only one that says, you bring nothing to the table, and I give you everything. Christianity is the only religion that looks at you, and you're the homeless kid that shows up on the door on Christmas Eve, and the good dad says, I love you, you're in my family, I'm giving you everything, and you bring nothing. And if we get that part wrong, we're going to get the spiritual gifts wrong. And then God gives us his Holy Spirit. God gives us the Spirit to empower us. We talked about last week. If you missed it, go get last week's message. The Spirit convicts us. The Spirit gives us words to say. The Spirit gives us prayers to pray. And then something important that we often neglect, I think, is that God gives us other people as gifts. Some of you sitting ne are sitting next to your gift right now, your spouse. You think, man, this is one of the best gifts that I've ever been given. But there's something we've got to think about because in our culture, there's a very bad tendency. We oftentimes see people as gifts to be used rather than as gifts for us. And there's a, a huge difference. If you see someone as a gift, then you will treasure them, then you will love them. If you see someone uh, and to them all they are to you is gift, they, oh, they have this gift of speaking, they have this gift of working for me, they have this gift of doing this, then you'll begin to use people. I do it all the time as a dad. I try to look at my wife and I'm like, okay, God, my wife is a gift to me. I love her, I wanna treasure her. But sometimes when I look at my kids, I don't see them as gifts. I see them as gifted people that I want to use. Like my son is now almost five feet tall, so I figured you could vacuum, do the dishes, wash the floors, take out the trash. And then I treat him that way. I'm like, hey, you're, you're my slave labor. And I think I'm going to stop saying it. The reason I say this is because that's what my mom told me my whole life, that I was the reason she had kids was to vacuum and do all the slave labor. And I started telling my kids that the reason I had you was to vacuum the reason I had you was to clean, and I know you're thinking, worst parent of the year award, whatever, sinners, judging me. I'm just kidding. God gives people as gifts, and now we want to get to the, the meat of it. God gives each Christian spiritual gifts. Are, who's, who's good at something here? Who's good at anything? Tell me what you're good at. What are you good at? Um, good at eating. That's a, now, that's what we're going to call a natural talent. I like it. 
I'm good at eating. So natural talents are gifts that you have from your first birth. Spiritual gifts are gifts that you have from your new birth when you're born again. But we want to talk about both these today. Who else is good at something, anything here, other than eating? What was that? Pouring concrete. I like that. I got a job for you, actually. That's good to know. Okay. Log that away. I'd say that's a natural talent. You can learn that talent. It's good. Anyone else have a, something they're good at? Cleaning house. I got a job for you, too. Man, this is the best. I'm going to keep doing this and just jot these down. Where's my pen right now? I'm just kidding. What, what else you got? Yeah. At bowling. That might be a spiritual gift or a natural talent. I'm not sure. Somewhere in between. Natural talent. Yes. Singing. Why'd you point at your mom when you said singing? Oh, you all, you're, you're putting their gifts on the table. Okay, I like that. Singing. Okay, so here's what we're going to do today. We're going to run through some of these gifts, but before we do, remember, this is for the church. Your gifts are for the church. They're not for your own glory. They're not for your own fame. So I need us to step away from the consumer mentality of Christianity. Has anyone ever used or heard this phrase, I'm just shopping for a church? Anyone ever used or heard that before? You guys are all lying right now. I love you anyway. I've used it. I hear it all the time. People come through the front door. Oh, nice to meet you, so-and-so. First time, yeah, yeah, we're just shopping around. Oh, shopping around for Jesus, huh? You better watch out because Jesus is going to buy you in a quick hurry. A consumer mentality is church is all about for me. What can I get out of church? And oftentimes it's how can I give the least and get the most return on my investment? But God wants us to view the church from a Christian mentality which says, how can I give my gifts, my talent, my time, my money to bring unity and health to the church family? I've never met a mother who looks at her family with the consumer mentality. I've never met a mother who looks at her kids and says, okay, how can I do the least for you children and get the maximum return on my investment? If I just feed you and water you, will you still take care of everything I need you to do and satisfy my soul? I've never met a mother that does that. The mothers give their all. If you've ever seen a mother in action, uh, it's pretty incredible. Like my wife, when she's sick, it doesn't matter how sick she gets. She could be having strep throat, her leg amputated, and she would still go get the kids out of their bed, change the diapers, throw them upstairs. She'd love them, read to them, discipline them, feed them. And I feel bad for her because when I get sick, if I get a sniffle, I'm like a two-year-old. If I get the tiniest cold in the world, a little twinge of a sore throat, I'm like, I need 1,000 milligrams of ibuprofen and a face cloth, please. And there she is limping over to me, bleeding out of her ankle, strep throat coming out of her eyeballs. I'll take care of everything. Mothers are incredible. You, you husbands better be grateful for, your, for the wives and your mothers in your life. One guy's going to have a great marriage this afternoon. Because here's the sad statistic as we get into the gifts. About 8% of the American people are participating and plugged in in a church that are actively saying, how can I help my church, love my church, serve my church? Because if the Holy Spirit is in you, this being that we're talking about, if he is in you, he is all about Jesus and all about the Father and all about the church. Ergo, you will be all about Jesus, all about the Father and all about the church. And then he gives you this list of gifts. And I don't think it's inclusive. I don't think it's meant to be, but we're going to go through 19 gifts today. We're going to be done with the sermon around three o'clock this afternoon. Are you ready? I'm going to fly as fast as I can. Uh, So I'm going to say the gift, what it's about, and I want you to begin searching. Okay, which one of these do I think I have? Are you ready for that? Okay, here we go. Number one, wisdom. Uh, This is 1 Corinthians 12, 8. Wisdom I would describe as having helpful or timely insight. 
You're the person in your group of friends and your family that when something's going on, you're like, oh, I think I see what's going on. This situation is working this way. If we do this, then everything's going to work out. That's the gift of wisdom. It's having that insight of how to apply all the knowledge you have to life situations. And your words often are helpful and timely. So that may be some of you. I don't know. That's not me. And I'm going to start describing some people. So if you're in here and you know me and you're friends with me on Facebook, you're fair game for this sermon. I'm just letting you know. Okay. Knowledge. So this the gift of knowledge. These are people who love study, who love research, who love books, who love footnotes. These are the people who, uh, when they see footnotes, they get excited. Like they're like, a footnote? And they hop on Amazon, they buy another book, and that book has footnotes. They're like, another footnote? Some of you guys know these people. We call them nerds. They're all the people that already bought their Star Wars tickets. They're super pumped up for this Christmas. They got the gift of knowledge. Now, some of you may think, well, wait, I don't love footnotes, but I may have the gift of knowledge because I do like studying and researching. I love knowing things. You might be inclined to knowledge if you often are the person that people ask questions to. Like when you're out at a pizza place and someone's like, hey, what kind of butterfly does a green and black caterpillar turn into? And they know that you've already Wikipedia'd it. Um, I, I have the gift of knowledge somewhat. I don't know if I'm just a nerd or if I have the spiritual gift of knowledge, but uh, I remember my wife mocked me. See, I've always been a fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers, but I tend nerdy. I, I admit to that. And it was in 2007, I was hanging out with a group of guys at the church I was on staff at, and we were all talking football, like just doing the chummy dude thing. And sometimes I lie and pretend because I'm a pastor and I want to be loved by others, and I forget that Jesus loves me. So I'm trying to chum it up with the bros who's using a deeper voice. Yeah, my team's the Steelers. And my wife walks in, and guys, you're all going to relate to this. My wife walks in, I'm chumming it up, I'm manning it up, my chest is puffed. And she looks at me, and a group of all these guys at the church says, you don't know anything about football. I didn't do that. You know what I did? Because I'm a knowledge guy. I went home, I'm like, fine, you're right, I don't know very much about football, I just know who I like. So I went home, I went online, I said, how to play football diagrams. Wikipedia, history. So by the end of that day, I knew the history of the NFL, I knew which teams went where, I knew what every single position did, and I hadn't even watched a game that day. Because I love knowledge. If that's you, you know that that's your gift. Heart, cultivate that gift, love that gift. How about the gift of faith? The gift of faith is you love tough or impossible situations. We all know the people that have the not gift of faith, the gift of pessimism, right? People are like, nothing can be done. The world's coming to an end. The gift of faith, someone sees something crazy and they're like, no, no, we could totally do that. Like, that's not a problem at all. You know, we have these plans that they had drawn up way before I got here about building these big buildings out here and stuff. And I, man, that took a gift of faith to do that. So I got out the plans one day and I walked outside and I walked to right where they said the pulpit's going to be for the new worship center. And I stood there and I started preaching to myself. And I don't think I have the gift of faith, but I'm like, God, that'd be so cool if I was right here doing this for your glory, sending out churches and disciples all over the city, transforming it for Jesus, no widows, no orphans. And I walk back inside. But if you have the gift of faith, you just see stuff like that. If you have the gift of faith, nothing seems impossible for you. You're the annoying optimist at every party that thinks everything can be taken care of because God is in control. And it's true. How about this? Number four, the gift of healing. That's 1 Corinthians 12, 9. You love praying for sick people. If you see a sick person, your hand is just like, gets the shakes, and you just got to go pray for them. We even have oil up here. Uh, somebody is uh, a little bit ill today, and they've got a hurt back. And I, I said, hey, do you have oil? Because the Bible says anoint with oil and pray for them. 
So we're going to anoint someone with oil at the end of this service. I know all the charismatics are like, yeah, do it, brother. The Presbyterians are like, what is oil for, cooking? It's okay. We're just reading the Bible. We're doing what the Bible says. Anoint with oil and pray. The oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. The people with the gift of healing, they're the ones that pray, and people actually get healed. I love that. Last week, I don't have this gift. I wish I had this gift. This gift would be the coolest. Last week, someone came and said, my friend's on life support. Can we pray for him? We prayed for him. He came back this week and said, my friend's off life support. Got out of the ICU. Is back in a normal room. Praise God. God heals today. Right now, he hears every word that we're saying, every prayer that we pray. Sure, yeah. On that note, we need to stop and pray for a girl named Mila, who I got handed a sticky note today. Mila's a four-year-old who has a cancerous tumor, so we're going to pray 10 seconds right now that she's going to be healed and this tumor's going to be removed. Are you ready? Okay. Heavenly Father, we ask you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and your Son, that you would heal Mila, that you would shrink that tumor to non-existence. And if that's all I'm going to pray, God, just, just shrink it. Just get rid of it. Show the doctors your miraculous, amazing, sovereign healing power. Amen. I'm hoping one of you has a gift of healing and that that's going to happen because that'll be awesome. Miracles. Number five, you love to pray and see God show up and do crazy things for his glory. That's 1 Corinthians 12, 10. You're the, you're the person that when you hear the Bible stories of Jesus breaking bread, it gets you all riled up. You're like, that would be so cool. You're the person uh, who when you heard the story of Jesus walking on water, the next time you were at a pool, you thought, let's do it. And you tried and you thought the water was going to hold you and it didn't. You just drowned. You're that, you're that guy, you're that girl. If you have the gift of miracles, you just think, man, God can do anything and he's going to do it any moment, so I'm going to be ready, I'm going to be looking, I'm all over this. If that's you, man, we need you. Start praying because we need some miracles. Those miracles that happened last week, I want more of those miracles to happen where people's lives get changed from the inside out. Let's keep going. Discernment. Oh, discernment. I love this gift. You love truth and holiness with a person or a doctrine or spiritual beings, you, you have this almost like a sixth sense about people. You have that friend, family member in your life, they can go into a crowd and they'll walk away and say, I just don't like that person. Something's off about them. Something in my gut. And then like six months later, it comes out that they were like this murdering, conniving sinner. Maybe not that bad, but you know what I mean. You, some of you are like, that's my gift. I've got that gift. You know who has this gift? And I love it. My wife. It is so good as a pastor to have a wife with this gift because I'll just like throw her in a circle and at the end I'll listen to her. And she'll be like, mm, something's off. And I'm always like, take notes. This person, something's off. <laughs> so if you ever see me, if we're talking in a conversation, I'm like, hey, babe, come over here. I'm, I'm just kidding. I don't do that to you guys. <laughs> no, I do do that actually. <laughs> but seriously, if you have that gift of discernment, you, you can discern when things are off. You can discern when truth is being twisted. There's so much Bible truth nowadays, it's being twisted. And I'm not, I don't have this discernment constantly in all areas of my life, but man, when I listen to a sermon, I get a whiff of false doctrine where someone's taken a concept of God and they've tweaked it to make it less about Jesus and more about us, and then I know they're going down a bad path. They just left the Jesus train and they hopped on the me train. And I start to sniff those out. If you have that gift, cultivate it. Work on it. Ask your peers around you. Man, I've, I think I've got this gift. What do I do with it? You discern. Because the Bible says there's a few types of people. There's sheep. There's hireling. And there's wolves. And there's pigs, too, in the Bible, I guess, also. The discernment people say, they'll walk in a room like this, and they'll say, oh, sheep, 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 wolf, hireling. Kill the wolf. Punch the hireling. Love the sheep. And they'll just point it out for you. And I love that. I love that God gives his church these people. 
Next, we have apostles. These aren't apostles, I don't think, in the traditional sense of the apostolic movement, the 12, uh, and then, then minus one and plus one again with the apostle Paul. These are people who love leading a movement. You have the spiritual gift of apostleship, probably, if you love leading not just a local group, but a movement. You're like a Steve Jobs-type character, and all you want to do is lead massive, global, national movements for the glory of Jesus. That's Ephesians 4.11, by the way. Uh, teaching, number eight, you love to impart biblical truth. This is every pastor self-proclaims this spiritual gift. If you ask a pastor, hey, what's your spiritual gift? I'm a teacher. It's what I do. And I believe that some of them are good teachers. However, I've been to enough churches to know that some pastors are extremely gifted in something else. If you love to impart biblical truth, you teach something and the people get it. They say, I understand what you're saying. I can apply that to my life. And it's not just to large groups. Some of you may have the gift of teaching, and it may be one-to-one. -one. It may be small group settings. It may be in classroom settings and lecture settings, or it may be in inspirational settings. But if you have the gift of teaching, um, I, I love you. I appreciate you, and we have a purpose for your life. Email me today. Seriously, teachers out there. Next, helps and service. Oh, helps and service people. I kind of lump these together. Helps and service comes from Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and 1 Peter 4. And helps and service person here, Kelly Phillips. Man, our admin over there, she's trying not to look up right now because she doesn't want to feel embarrassed. She has the gift of helps. If, if you want to know, do I have the gift of helps, ask yourself this question. Do you just want to do everything to help other people? Literally. Anything that I ever ask or need, there's a handful of people in my life they love doing it. They don't just do it because they have to. They literally love to help. They look at a situation, they look at someone else, they say, hey, what can I do to help? They'll stack chairs, they'll take out trash, they'll count numbers, they'll close the doors, they'll clean something, they'll do whatever, it doesn't matter. Another person that's like this is our new uh, assistant director of kids ministry, Jesse. I brought him in here, I'm like, Jesse, we're gonna, we're gonna hang out, we're gonna do some things, we're gonna mentor you, and then we're gonna clean the baseboards in the chapel. And he's like, yeah, let's do it. Most people aren't pumped about cleaning baseboards and chapels. That's how you know when somebody has a spiritual gift of helps and service. Next is administration. Oh, I love you. If you have the gift of administration, I love you. Because you love stewarding resources. You're a natural organizer. Your desk has color-coded sticky notes. Your calendar is actually a functioning calendar that you use on a daily basis. I'm not this. I promise you that I am the furthest thing from an administratively gifted person, especially in the spiritual sense. But if you have that gift, if you nerd out about numbers, boy, could we use you here. Because we take offerings, and I don't want to see the offerings ever. I don't know what any one person gives. I just know what the general offering is. So we have other people count. We have other people deposit. We have other people do bookkeeping. So I could be totally hands off of that and say, God, they're going to manage the small um, knowledge and the little details so that I can just take the big picture and we could lead the staff with the big picture money. But these administrative people, man, they're good. They're like, okay, we have X number of dollars. And how are we going to get from here to here to accomplish this thing, to build that out there, to spread out the vision, to equip this community? And if you're that person, we would love to have you talk with Edwin, who's not here today. But he's that guy for us. And Doreen is that girl for us. She loves numbers. She literally gets happy to make numbers do things that I don't know how they do. The last I remember of math is the Pythagorean theorem, and I haven't used that since high school. Evangelism. Anybody here love talking to non-Christians? I love, this is me. I would rather be in a bar 
drinking a beer with a guy who doesn't know Jesus than be teaching a Bible study. I mean, I love teaching, don't get me wrong, but it is thrilling for me. I love hanging out with people that don't know Jesus, mostly because they're honest to me, because they don't know that I'm a pastor until I tell them. So they're just shooting the breeze, cussing up a storm, telling about their terrible day, their boss is a jerk, and I'm like, oh, I'm just so normal right now. And then I'm a pastor, and they're like, I'm so sorry, I cussed at you. I'm like, it's okay, keep doing it. I just need normalcy. And then I'll share the gospel with them, and they're like, and, and I love seeing people come to Jesus. And some of you have this gift. Some of you know this person. Some of you know the person that if they went to downtown Tampa, hopped on the trolley in Ebor and took it for three blocks, they'd come out with three converts. And some of you are thinking, that is not me. I do not do that. I get on the trolley, and I don't even shake anyone's hand. I don't look at somebody because I think I'm going to get a disease in Ebor. So I just go, get off, done. You're maybe not gifted in evangelism, but you have other gifts. If evangelism excites you, that may be your spiritual gift. That was uncalled for. <laughs> Twelve, shepherding, pastoring, counseling. I've sort of lumped these together. Some of you love to care for people. You're the hugger. Like if anyone comes in to shake your hand, even if you just met them, you'll just bypass their handshake and hug them, and they'll still be on the other side of you like this. And you, you just love people. I love you. And you could, you, could love, you could say you love someone the first week you met them and actually mean it because you have such a big, overwhelming heart. Shepherds are the people that we hope become small group leaders. Man, because small groups, they need shepherds. They need people with big hearts and, and, a, and a warm hug on dark days. They need people whose shoulders, the perfect crying shoulder. Nobody's ever cried on my shoulder. I'm six and a half feet tall, so I think that negates me from this gift. People cry on my belly button. It's awkward. But I, I love you, and I do care for you. I hope I have a, a smidgen of that gift. The gift of encouragement. You love motivating people. You're happy. You like, you're the type of person who, when people think about you, they think about sunshine and sunny days. You have those people in your life, right? You know them right now. You could go on Facebook, and you know that there's somebody that, even if it's the worst day of their life, they're finding the best thing in it. My neighbor recently posted on Facebook, oh, I got rear-ended by a car but I was so grateful that I got rear-ended because it could have been someone else and instead it was me. And I'm like, are you mental? <laughs> You're glad you got rear-ended because you absorbed that shock for another fictional car that could have been there. That's a gift of encouragement. He wants to encourage and make peace. He's a sunshine. He's a sunshine constantly. So good. So good. Love that guy. Giving. Some of you have the gift of giving, the spiritual gift, the God-given gift. The Holy Spirit went in you and said, I'm going to make you giving. You love to give. You love meeting needs. I'm going to tell you, we have a plan and purpose for your life too. If you love to give and you're saying, Ryan, we want to give, what can we give toward? We, want, we like the offering, we give in our offering, but we, we want to give stuff. I've got a list that I'm just building of stuff that I want for the chapel to equip you to go out and make disciples. And it's going to be cool, but we can't do it till we get the resources. If you love to give, you're, this is how nerdy you know you are about it. Because uh, we had a town hall meeting recently, and I said, here's what we've been bringing in each month. Here's what we need. Here's what we'd like to do if we get X number of dollars. And, uh, and I got a letter from somebody thanking me. And this happens pretty rarely. I may have had three or four letters in my life, but you know these are the givers. Because they write you a letter, and it says, Pastor Ryan, thank you for telling me where I could give. And I'm like, that's a weird letter. I don't think I'd ever write a letter thanking someone for letting me know where I could spend my money because I don't think I have this gift yet. My wife and I are, are somewhat opposite on this. She takes after her mother more. She wants to give 
stuff away, and she loves giving gifts. Um, and, and I grew up kind of poor, so I'm really wrestling with this one. I'm like, okay, God, you call me to give. I'll give 10% of my income. God, that's yours right off the bat, and then I want to give above and beyond that. So what I do is, is I'll say, babe, let's, can we give to so-and-so? And I'll come up with some little number for some hurting couple, like, hey, they're really struggling. Can we give them 20 bucks? And my wife will be like, 200 $200. I work at a church, woman. <laughs> That's how you know you have the gift of giving. You love it. It charges you up. Some of you have the gift of leadership. You love mobilizing people for a cause, not out of pride, but for a cause that's not your own, that's not you-centered, that's God-centered. And if you here, are here and you have a gift of leadership, once again, I have a wonderful plan for your life. Uh, Jackson is earning these... Uh, or Jackson's trying to earn these soccer medals, my oldest son. We play soccer here every Saturday all on the field, a couple hundred kids, soccer, footballing around, and each week they get a medal. But me and your tech director, Coach Corey, we're the coaches of this team. So we felt like it would be fair if we did not give our kids the medals the first week. Well, now there's only two weeks left, and both of our kids have not gotten a medal. Jackson is convinced he is not getting a medal. I told him, son, everyone gets a medal. I love you. And he said, no, there's only two weeks left. And I said, there's only two weeks left, and there's only two of you that have not yet got a medal. What do you think that means, Jackson? And he says this, one medal for Jaden and one medal for not Jackson. <laughs> no joke, this is my kid. Takes after his mother. That's me, probably. Um, Jackson said, what are the two categories left? Because each week is a category. I said, okay, buddy, this week is sportsmanship, which means being kind to everyone on the field. And the next week is leadership, which means you're going to lead, encourage, and go before everyone. This is what my son says. He's a thinker. He says, okay, so this week I can either be kind, or next week I can just run faster than everyone. <laughs> I don't know if he's going to get the leadership medal. <laughs> if you have the gift of leadership, you're not just running ahead of people, leaving them behind. You run in such a way that people want to run with you. Ah, oh, gift of mercy. If you have the gift of mercy, you know you have the gift of mercy because you love hurting people. I'm going to retake that. If you have the gift of mercy, you love people who are hurting. If you have the gift of profit, you love hurting people. You come alongside people. You see a hurting person, and you're like, I love this person. I will walk with them. I will sleep near them. I will dab their forehead. I will hold their puke bucket. I will walk with their breaking family. That's Romans 12.8. If you know you don't have, if you want to know if you don't have the gift of mercy, you see someone that's hurting and you just stand back and you say, I can't get in this situation. Uh, I remember, and I don't know if this is the gift of mercy or prof, the prophet in me. I was in a mall in San Diego, big mall, multi-stories, and I was a Bible teacher at the time at a private Christian school. And uh, Amy and I were there. We were dating at the time, so I was all jacketed up. You know, jackets are these things you wear when the weather gets below 75 degrees. We were, we were going to this Christmas party at Nordstrom, and all of a sudden my student comes running up. Mr. T, Mr. T, that's what they called me because they were young. They didn't know that Mr. T was a cool guy with a trihawk that boxed. And I'm like, whoa, what's going on? And she goes, my dad's getting beat up. And this is in a mall, like the International Plaza level mall. And I'm like, What? And I start running with her. She's a little middle school girl. I'm like, where? And like right around the corner, there's this young guy beating on her dad in the middle of a mall with like 
20 people, 15, 30 people just standing around, just standing there looking. These are the people that don't have the gift of mercy. Because a 55-year-old man was getting pummeled by a young guy, and they were just like sitting there like, oh, world star hip-hop. <laughs> I know who's sitting now. I, I throw in these little references. Some of you don't know them, and I'm just trying to test the waters. And every time someone moans, you could just say in your head, busted. <laughs> okay. But then I'm busted too. That's okay. I'm busted. So I ran up. I picked up the little angry guy, and I held him against the wall until security got there. But man, I was blown away, and I constantly think back to that situation. How could these people not have mercy and not have knowledge and not have strength to, to help an old man getting beat up by a younger man? You want to come alongside hurting people, hurting families, families that are losing, people that are getting damaged. You want to care for them. That's the gift of mercy. Gift of hospitality. You love making people feel welcome. You love introducing people to each other. You love entertaining people. This is Lori Woods, the girl that was singing this way this morning. She loves entertaining people. I mean, add her on Facebook, learn how to throw a party. Like, and if you, want, if you want a combo party, add her, add my wife, and say, hey, it's my birthday, could you guys help me out? It's going to be an explosion of like Pinterest meets decor, meets everything. And they love people. I, I love an aspect of hospitality. If you like introducing people to each other, that could be a, a hospitable thing to do. When I was a young adult pastor, I loved playing matchmaker. I would like look at people's spiritual gifts, like you are going to marry you. And they didn't even know each other. And I'd be like, Let's just make it happen. Hey, I have a Bible study going on on Wednesday night. There's only three of us here? Weird. My wife's calling. Gotta go. And that's why I'm flying to California already two times next year to do weddings. Because I just kept doing that. I love it. I love it. The hospitality, getting people together, entertaining people, making people feel welcome. How about number 18? Let's see how much time we have. 1123. Gift of tongues. Sorry we're out of time, you guys. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just playing around. The gift of tongues, you may have the spiritual gift of tongues if you, uh, as Paul says, you speak and impart, uh, you speak in the language of angels. So there's a private aspect of the gift of tongues where you speak in the language of angels. And if, if you're here and you're like, Ryan, what is this gift? I've never heard of it. It's literally speaking in an unknown language to yourself, to God, that God is translating and speaking back and forth to you and you don't understand what you're saying. That's the private prayer language. And then there's the public aspect of it, where in the Bible we see some people will oftentimes speak in a language unknown to them to share the good news about the gospel with others. So you will be able to say good things about God and Jesus in a language you don't know. It's like cracking open a Spanish 101 book and just knowing it by heart automatically. Lastly, the gifts of prophet and prophecy. You love to speak and impart God's word in writing or in going boldly before people and saying, this is who God is. These are the guys who have zero fear of what others think about them. This is John the Baptist in his camel hair. This is the people who get up and they say, this is true. We're standing for what's true and we're not going to waver from it. Okay, so we've gone through all those spiritual gifts. Did someone think in here that they might have caught a little bit of what they are? Just a teeny bit. Anybody? Just checking. Okay, a couple, I see head nodding. So here's what you have to do. How do you figure out for sure what your gift is? Some people say take a spiritual gifts test. If you want to do that, we have one on our website. You can go click adult spiritual gifts test. I think the best way to do it is trial and error. It's my favorite way to see people find their gift. So if you think, ah, oh, I think I might be gifted to teach children. Guess what? We're going to let you try it out after we background check you and stuff. I mean, we're going to let you try it out. You go back there, and you're going to say, yeah, here we go, two-year-old, let me impart the wisdoms of God. 
and you're going to do a story, and then you're going to walk out of there, and then after three weeks, if you're amazing, we're going to say, man, we believe, we affirm that you're gifted. If you stink at it, we're going to be like, you might be gifted in something else. Let's try something else. Some of you will tell me and tell Jared, hey, I think I am naturally talented at singing, and I have the spiritual gift of leading. I should be a worship leader. Well, that's great if you can actually sing. Because let me tell you, as a former worship leader myself, there have been times where people say, man, I got, I'm such a good singer, and I, I can lead people. You just give me a microphone. And I would give them a microphone, and it was like I put a coyote in a trash compactor and put a bullhorn in its ear. <laughs> you know who you are. <laughs> Trial and error. If you are thinking, what? I really love sick people. I love praying for sick people, but do I have the spiritual gift? Start volunteering at the hospital. Go to the children's hospital and just start going to the rooms with a big old bag of, of lollipops and say, hey, uh, I'm here to meet with the chaplain. Can we just chat? Can we go through and pray for these kids? I want to pray for the kids. Give them candy. Get them all hopped up on, on Jesus and sweet things and see if they get healed. And if they do, that's awesome. Some of you, you're thinking, okay, wait, I don't want the gift of administration, but I think I might have it. If you want to find out if you have the gift of administration, let me know. We would love to have you help with our books. And by we, I mean other people. Have you helped with the books of the church? And, and if you look at these numbers and it's like a beautiful mind and you're Russell Crowe and it all makes sense and you don't see weird dead people, then volunteer and try it out. If you stink at it and all of a sudden we're missing hundreds of thousands of dollars, I'm going to be like, uh, trial and error. This guy's an error. We have safeguards for that. Don't we? Do we, Kelly? Yeah, we have safeguards. <laughs> I'm just playing, you guys. If you think you have the gift of giving, do what Rick Warren did. Try to outgive God. Rick Warren and his wife said, we are going to increase our giving to the church every year. So they started at 10%, and they went to 10 and a quarter, and then they went to 11%. And then as the story goes, many of you know, he wrote one of the best-selling or the best-selling nonfiction book of all time. And now he gives over 90% of his income away, lives in the same house, drives the same cars, and, and he didn't have to raise his standard of living. Because he said, God, I'm going to keep giving. You keep giving to me, I'm going to keep giving to you. You want to give me more money? I don't need any more money than this level, so I'm going to give more to you. That's the gift of giving, the spiritual gift of giving. Trial and error, you guys. Let me know where you want to serve, and we will get you plugged in. Let me know if you are like, okay, Ryan, I'm not called the kids, singing, or greeting. What can I do? I will sit down with you. We will have coffee. We will pick apart your, your brain, your mind, your heart, and your passions, and we will help you create a ministry suited for you to push back the darkness in this world, to do exactly what God has called you to do because that's what I believe your role is. All of these gifts are given to you to build up the church toward unity, to equip the saints. You can use them all for yourself, but that would be a failure, and that would be a shame, and that would be, in one sense, robbing Jesus. So, figure out your gifts this week. Use your gifts this week to build up the church Ask God, what do I love doing, God? How can I do that to help the church? Not for me, for us, the family of God. That's why the Spirit gives us these gifts. If you have the gift of tongues, and you're like, how do I do this? Shoot me an email. I'll forward it to somebody else. If you have the gift of mercy, extend mercy to the hurting. Because in this room alone, we have marriages that are on the brink of destruction. We have kids that are wayward and running from God. We have houses that are way behind payments. We have utilities that aren't being met. We need the givers and the mercy 
and the leaders and the administrators to come together to build up this group so that when I say good morning chapel family we all know exactly what we're talking about and we all mean it with all of our hearts let's pray God that list is so long and I barely skimmed over it this week I pray that you would help people jump into the sermon study so that they could read Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians 4 and 1 Peter 4 and see the spiritual gifts and pray over the spiritual gifts and ask themselves the honest question, am I using my gift for my Lord? Father, I pray that you would show us all our gifts clearly and that they wouldn't be about us for us, for our glory. They'd be about you, for you, for your glory, for the building up of this church. Help us to be a family, spirit-filled, spiritually gifted family. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.